just thank you for, Lord, how you work in our lives. We thank you for what you're doing in our church, Lord. We thank you for how you answer prayer, Lord. We just pray. thank you for those who came for the, um, for the ladies' tea and the blessing that that was, Lord. And um, Lord, we just want to take time and stop and thank you for what you are doing and for who you are, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. One more song this evening. One more song. Page number 390. Greetings as he's on his way out to Oklahoma. Be in prayer for them while they're at the conference. Be in prayer for Rachel and Leland as they get everything packed up. Moving across country is no easy task. So just a lot of um, uh, worry, a lot of trying to make sure you get everything. So just please be in prayer for them if you would. Uh, we'll be on 1 Samuel chapter 12. 1 Samuel chapter 12. So go ahead and be turning there. 1 Samuel chapter 12. And we're going to read the whole chapter, all 25 verses tonight. Not a long passage, but um, something that I came across this week in my devotions. And I believe it will be a blessing for us tonight. And so let's read and then we'll pray. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse number 1. And Samuel said unto all Israel, Behold... I have hearkened unto your voice and all that ye said unto me, and have made a king over you. And now, behold, the king walketh before you, and I am old and gray-headed. And now, behold, my sons are with you, and I have walked before you from my childhood unto this day. Behold, here am I. Witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Or whose ass have I taken? Or whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed? Or of whose hand have I received any bribe to blind my eyes therewith? And I will restore it you. And they said, Thou hast not defrauded us, nor oppressed us, neither hast thou taken aught of any man's hand. He said unto him, The Lord is witness against you, and his anointed is witness this day, that ye have not found aught in my hand. And they answered, He is witness. It's exactly true what you're saying, Samuel. And Samuel said unto the people, It is the Lord that advanced Moses and Aaron, and that brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. Now, therefore, stand still, that I may reason with you before the Lord of all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did to you and to your fathers. When Jacob was come into Egypt, and your fathers cried unto the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, which brought forth your fathers out of Egypt, and made them dwell in this place. And when they forgot the Lord their God, he, the Lord, sold them into the hand of Sisera, captain of the host of Hazor, and into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab. And they fought against him. And they cried unto the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and have served Balaam and Ashtaroth. But now deliver us out of the hand of our enemies and we will serve thee. And the Lord sent Jerubbabel and Baden and Jephthah and Samuel and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side and ye dwelled safe. And when ye saw that Nahash, the king of the children of Ammon, came against you, Ye said unto me, Nay, but a king shall reign over us, when the Lord your God was your king. Now therefore, behold the king, whom ye have chosen, and whom ye have desired. Behold, the Lord hath set a king over you. If you will fear the Lord, and serve him, 
and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall both ye and also the king that reigneth over you continue following the Lord your God. But if ye will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall the hand of the Lord be against you as it was against your fathers. Now, therefore, stand and see this great thing which the Lord which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call unto the Lord, and he shall send thunder and rain, that ye may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which ye have done in the sight of the Lord in asking you a king. So Samuel called unto the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said unto Samuel, Pray for thy servants unto the Lord thy God, that we die not. For we have added unto all our sins this evil to ask us a king. And Samuel said unto the people, Fear not. Ye have done all this wickedness, yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And turn ye not aside from then, for then ye should go, ye, for then should ye go after vain things which profit, cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it hath pleased the Lord to make you his people. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things he hath done for you. But if ye shall still do wickedly, ye shall be consumed, both ye and your king. Let's pray, and then we'll get into it. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for what we've already heard from your word this morning. Lord, I just pray as we take this short time tonight and open up your word, I pray that you would have freedom to speak to hearts, Lord, that you would guide my tongue, that I would communicate your word, Lord, and that we could understand a little bit more about you and how we should live. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay. Um, advertisements always give the illusion that if you just had that item, everything would be better. Is not that the advertisement world? That if you just had that car, you see, you can, you've had this one and that one, but it's that car that's going to make everything better. Or if you had just that you know, whatever, that type of food, you automatically would lose all the weight that you possibly want to lose. If you had that, whatever, there's as many advertisements. If you got that set of flowers for your mom, your mom would love you forever for Mother's Day. Okay? The advertisement world always gives this illusion. If you just had this, everything would be better. Okay? But it's not only in advertisements that... This idea is passed on. This um, whatever mindset that if there's just that video games is are built. The whole idea of video games are built on. If you can just reach that next level or if you can get that one piece of the puzzle or you can get that one update or whatever instantly everything, you know, you're just you've made it. Or we have this. How many of us have seen that runner or that biker or that sports person who is convinced that if they just had that bike, they could keep right up with Armstrong on, on, on their bike. Or if they just had that um, set of clubs, 
They could play golf like Tiger used, used to play golf, right? Used to play golf. If they just had that item, they could do whatever their heart's desire would be, and life would be perfect. But the truth is, while a good set of golf clubs, not that I've ever played golf, all right? Or I, I do a little bit of biking. A good bike certainly is helpful, okay? But... I don't care how good your bike is or how good your clubs are, it can't make up for a lack of training, right? Okay? You can have a, a baseball player and he's got, he's got the helmet, he's got, I mean, the hundred and what, or however much they spend on their bats, whatever. But if he hasn't spent some serious time working with that, that golfer hasn't spent some serious time working with those clubs, you're going to be like, this guy had more dollars and cents. Like, it, it doesn't compute. That isn't going to make it better, necessarily. You know, sometimes we do this spiritually as well. That we say, you know what, if I could just have that thing, or if, I, if just this worked out just this way, everything would be perfect. That um, if, if God would just give me this thing in my life, then my spirit, all my spiritual troubles would be over, everything would be great, it would be clear sailing from here. The problem is we often turn to something other than God that's going to make everything perfect. Okay, that, We go to Israel here in this passage. Our, what we're trying to do is understand what the Bible is saying. We're trying to explain what the Bible is saying. Israel, in this passage, all right, they, it, about 300, 350 years of history had passed since they'd come into the promised land. They'd come into the promised land under uh, Moses and Joshua's leadership. They had seen God give them great victories. But during the time of the judges, um, needless to say, it had been a seesaw. If you know anything about the Bible, um, even Samuel alludes to it right here in the passage, how one moment they'd be serving God, they'd have God's blessings, and the next moment they would turn their back on God and begin to serve the idols of the land, and God would send another nation in and judgment on them, and they would lose the blessings of God. And this would, then they would repent and cry unto God, and God would raise up a judge, who, of whom Samuel, in our passage, was the last of the judges. God would raise up a judge and would give them deliverance. And when that judge would die, they would go back to doing their own thing. But this time, something had changed. Israel had demanded Samuel to anoint a physical king to rule over them. See, up to this time, over the past 350 years, Israel... Literally, this is real people, real things happened. They didn't have a king. There had been judges. There had been people that God had set up that would give the people God's law. That would tell the people what God had to say. There would be prophets. There were the Levites, or a tribe of Israel in the land, that would teach the law to the people. And finally, Israel said, we, we, we want a king. You see, this, there's this problem right here, and we want a king and be like all the other nations. Now, Samuel understood that this was a rejection of the Lord's rule through the judges. They said, we're, we're, we're done with this setup. We want to try it our way now. So, God, if we go back to um, Samuel chapter 9, Samuel chapter 8, through that um, earlier passage, we're just trying to get the context of what is being said here. God told Samuel, make a king. 
In fact, this is the person I want you to anoint king. He, he showed Samuel Saul and said, this is the person that you are going to anoint king. So Samuel, in obedience to God, anointed Saul to be the king. And the Lord began to work in Saul's life. He, he gave Saul signs that he was working in his life. There was certain things that were supposed to happen. The God Samuel promised Saul that God would give him a new heart and change him into another man. So um, everything is going great. Israel, they've got that new set of golf clubs, you might say. They've got their king. And their king is going to lead them to victory. Their king is going to give them great things and they have everything they want. Well, a little bit early in the chapter, in chapter number 11, and it's Nahash, the king of Ammon. So that's a foreign nation brings his army into Israel and he attacks the city of Israel. So the people say, King Saul, come on, you're a king now. You're supposed to lead us. And Saul's like, oh, brother. So um, Saul comes in and he, he begins to round up the army. This is, he's never been a king before. He's never even been a military leader before. But he rounds up the army and they go and they begin to fight against this king. And God gives Saul a great victory. At the end of um, for, uh, chapter number 11, it says, um, it came to pass when they remained, they, they that remained were scattered so that two of them were not left together. They had fought the battle and the enemy army was so destroyed and so scattered that there wasn't even two soldiers left together. Out of the formation that had been fighting, they just, it's gone. Those who survived the battle were running for their lives. Wow, we have a, we've had a victory, our new King has led us to victory. Everything is great. In fact, there was a couple people or a group of Israel when Saul was crowned king. They were like, okay, well, I guess this is the best we can do. They weren't real excited about Saul. Other people were like, yes, Saul. And so there was a little, there wasn't a unity necessarily yet in the kingdom. But after this victory, um, Samuel said, let's go back to Gilgal, let's renew the covenant. Everyone was rejoicing, there was great joy in the kingdom. They had their king, Samuel lead, leads them back. And at this time of great rejoicing, they're offering sacrifices to God. There's just a great time. Everything is perfect. But Samuel... As the prophet, as the spiritual leader of Israel, still, he's got a sermon for these people. He's got a message from God for the children of Israel. That's the context. And he begins in chapter number 12, after the feast is over, after everybody's there, everybody's feeling great. Samuel begins to remind Israel, listen, from my youth till now, I've been a faithful servant. Here, God, he, he, he challenged them. He said, listen, have I done anything that was unethical? Have I done anything that was dishonest from my youth until now? Even during this time, I, I haven't been unjust. I haven't been dishonest. I faithfully completed my duties. Have I done anything? He's questioning them. Yes? No. You, you've been great, Samuel. Well, then why do they need to change? Just 
If Samuel had been serving God and doing things right and judging them honestly, why did they need a king? But Samuel's going somewhere. He isn't just trying to say, you left me, I'm mad about it. Okay, that's, that's not Samuel's attitude at all. Samuel understood that they were start trying to go their own way. They were, the Bible says that they had rejected the Lord and were seeking their own king. So Samuel first starts reminding them that, you know what, simply, he had been a good judge. That's what it is through uh, verses 1 through 5. Said this day the Lord is witness against you, and his anointed is witness this day that ye have not found aught in my hand. And they answered, He is witness. You haven't. Uh, there's no scandal sheet beside my name. There's nothing that you can look up and say, Yeah, um, funds were misappropriated, or that I didn't judge honestly, that I took a bribe and did this for other people. I I, I obeyed the word of God, and you had a good judge here. Yes, exactly right, Samuel. We can't argue with you on that. Okay, but Samuel was just getting warmed up. He was leading somewhere. He was building to some, up to something. He said, no, Samuel, you've been great. And Samuel said unto the people, It is the Lord that advanced Moses and Aaron, and that brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. Now, therefore, stand still, that I may reason with you before the Lord of all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did to you and to your fathers. Samuel said, all right, great. Now, let me remind you of a few things about what actually has happened in your past. Let me remind you about a few things that God has done in your life. Okay, first... You guys have picked your king. I mean, you've come to me and said, we want a king. But in your past that got you from there to here, you know who set up your leadership? It was God. Okay? It was the Lord that advanced Moses and Aaron, or the Lord that set up Moses and Aaron. Well, who's Moses and Aaron? I mean, we'll find out right here. They were the people that God sent to deliver them from Egypt. God had set up their leadership prior They hadn't needed the king because God had been their leader prior. You know, something else is they were in trouble in the years before. It starts out Samuel. He goes all the way back to when Israel was in Egypt. When their forefathers, the people he was talking to, were slaves in the land of Egypt. When they didn't have control over their own destiny. When they didn't have an opportunity to say, yeah, we want to have a king. Uh, They were slaves. They were serving other people. They were in bondage. Right? Okay, you can nod your head up and down. That's where they were, alright? They were enslaved. They were slaves in Egypt. They weren't in the promised land. God had promised that they would have the promised land. But they were in Egypt. And so what did they do? They cried unto the Lord. Verse number 8. And your fathers cried unto the Lord. It was the Lord who they cried to. It was the God who heard their cries. As they were um, pleading with God and begging God, Lord, we're we're in this terrible place. We're slaves. Uh, Is this what you promised for us? God was listening. God heard their cries. And God sent Moses and Aaron, which brought forth your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. Samuel's reminding him, you didn't get to the promised land from Egypt by yourselves. 
It wasn't, in fact, if it was up to them, they would have returned to Egypt. It was God who kept them and provided for them. All through the years of the wilderness, the 40 years they wandered in the wilderness, God fed them, God clothed them, God provided for them, gave them water. He not only brought them out of Egypt, He brought them through the wilderness and brought them into the promised land. God did that for them. God delivered them. All right? Can we agree? That's what Samuel's telling them. God did this for you and made you dwell in this place. He gave you this land. Can we uh, remember a few of the stories from Joshua, how the walls of Jericho fell down and how God gave them victory over armies much greater than theirs, much better trained than theirs. God brought them from Egypt and brought them to the promised land. God delivered them. But when they were in the promised land, the book of Judges and when they forgot the Lord their God, he sold them into the hand of Sisera. So God brought judgment on them. When they stopped serving the Lord, they fought against them. In verse number 10, and they cried unto the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and have served Balaam and Ashtaroth. Yeah, you've forsaken the Lord. Yes, you have sinned. You're serving idols. But now deliver us out of the hands of our enemies and we will serve thee. You know what God did? And the Lord sent Jerubbabel and Baden or Barak and Jephthah and Samuel. He sent me too, Samuel, saying, and delivered you out of the hands of your enemies on every side. And ye dwelled safe. When they were coming to the promised land, what we just read. Sometimes they were under bondage before they would repent 10, 18, 20, 40 years they were under bondage of other, of other nations. They would cry unto God and God would raise up a judge. He would raise up, not even all of them are mentioned here. Othniel and Ehud and others. Gideon were raised up by the Lord. Who, as, as they turned their um, faces back to God and began to cry unto God and seek after God, God heard them and God delivered them. God delivered His people as they turned their hearts back to God. And God gave them miraculous victories. Can we remember the story of Gideon? Where there were 300 against thousands upon thousands upon thousands. Yes, massive army versus very, very small army. And Gideon's soldiers didn't even have swords. And yet God gave a wonderful deliverance. Can, can, can you see what Samuel's saying? Okay, he's building up to something. He's, some, he's saying, when you were slaves in Egypt, you cried unto God, God delivered you. When you were in the land and you sinned against God through your own fault, you began to go against God's word and God brought judgment in your land. Who'd you cry unto? The Lord. Who heard your cry? The Lord. Who delivered you? The Lord did. Look at verse... Number, um, excuse me, verse number 12. And when ye saw that Nahash, the king of the children of Ammon, came against you, ye said unto me, Nay, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. You see, the Lord is what made Israel different from the other nations. Israel was not a massive nation. Israel wasn't this great warlike people. What gave Israel, okay, the victory 
What made them special was the fact that God was their king. Was the fact that they served the living God, the God who created the entire universe. Right? That's what made Israel different. But Israel wanted a king that they could see. They wanted a king that would lead them forth to victory. They wanted a king that would deliver them. One pastor I heard preaching, uh, one of the uh, chapters similar to this, he's, this is what he said. He said, they were tired of living by faith. They were tired of having to wait on God to deliver them and trust. They wanted a king that they could see. They wanted a king that they could touch. They wanted, they said, we know God has delivered us, but that's just not good enough. We need, we need a king. We need to be like all the other nations. And the king will help deliver us. We're in bondage to the Philistines right now. And we need, we need a king to lead us. We had this Naash the Ammonite come in. And we, there wasn't the, um, the leadership that we needed. Samuel, you're getting old. We need a king. When it was God who delivered them. Now, in verse number 16, Samuel reasons with them and says, Now, now therefore stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not wheat harvest today? It was after the rainy season had passed. I will call unto the Lord and he shall send thunder and rain that ye may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which ye have done in the sight of the Lord in asking you a king. So Samuel called unto the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said unto Samuel, Pray for thy servants unto the Lord thy God, that we die not. For we have added unto all our sins this evil, to ask us a king. God, the rainy season was over. It was harvest time. And as a symbol, as a sign that God was upset with Israel for asking a king, God sent rain and thunder in a day when that that never happened. And the people said, you know what? We shouldn't have asked the king. That's right. We have sinned. Now, just a clarification here. Was a king a bad thing? No. In fact, in God's word, earlier in the law, God had said through Moses... That one day, you will have a king in the land. That one day, uh, when the time comes, I will set up a king and you will have a king to lead you. So God had promised them at one time, there would be a king in the land. Was the idea of having a king to lead them a terrible idea? No. It worked for other nations. Why couldn't it work for them? What was such a terrible idea about having a king? Why was God so upset with them having a king that he sent rain on their harvest day? That messed up a lot of their crops. It was a big deal. You see, Israel was seeking deliverance for their problems outside of God. They, okay, up to this point, who had delivered them every time? They had had to turn their hearts back to God. They had to go to God and God would raise a judge and that, and God would come and God would deliver them. They said, it's taking, maybe it's taking too long. We just don't want to do it that way anymore. But Israel was seeking deliverance. They were seeking blessings. They were seeking fulfillment 
outside of who God was. They said, we need a king who can lead us. We need a king who can protect us. What was God doing? He was their king. He was their protection. The king was not a problem. God would eventually give them a king after his own heart, King David. Just the next king. Just 40 years down the road. The problem was they were seeking a king and not God. And this is, this is what stuck out to me as I was reading my Bible um, earlier this week. This is what Samuel said to them. They had their king. Samuel says, listen, you've made your decision. I'm standing here and your king, which has been duly crowned, is is set up, has been anointed. This is your king. He's walking before you. He's right here beside me. This is your king. You asked for a king. You got a king. But. If ye will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall both ye and also the king that reigneth over you continue following the Lord your God. But if ye will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall the hand of the Lord be against you as it was against your fathers. Go to verse number 24. Only fear the Lord and... Fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things He hath done for you. But if ye shall still do wickedly, ye shall be consumed, both ye and your king. It was only through a life dedicated to serving God that one can experience the blessings of God. There's a, if we have a king, Everything's going to be great. If we just have that king, you know, we can just live our lives, do what we want, and everything is going to be great. And they got their king. And you know what these verses sound very strangely familiar like? Joshua chapter 24, where Joshua was commanding the people. Remember that? Back in Joshua, he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, only fear the Lord and do um, what the Lord has commanded. Back in Deuteronomy, when Moses was commanding the people, doesn't this sound vaguely familiar to that? No, it's not vaguely. It's pretty much exactly the same. 350 years later. What are you getting at, Brother Andrew? Here's what I'm getting at. They got their king, right? But it didn't change their responsibilities. They got their king, but the only way their king could get the blessings was to simply obey God like they already were supposed to be doing. The only way that their people could enjoy the blessings of God, enjoy the protection of God, was to do what they'd already been told to do. Their king was there, sure, but their king wouldn't give them the blessings. Their king wouldn't give them deliverance. It was only God who could give them deliverance. It was only God who could give them the victory that they wanted. But they'd gone after a king and God was reminding them, saying, Listen, only God can deliver you, not your king. Israel, you've got a king now. Great. You and your king need to fear the Lord. You and your king need to serve the Lord with all your hearts. And a failure to serve the Lord will bring about the same judgment that you would have experienced without your king. 
Israel, you've got your nice, shiny set of clubs now. Now it's time to get back to the training ground. It's time to go back and actually do what you need to do to experience the victory, to experience the blessings of God. You see, we often turn to something other than God to deliver us from the trials of life. Instead of dedicating our lives to the only one who can give us the peace and the blessings. Israel, at this time, they were trying to um, be um, a grow out of the trouble that they were in, to not have to put up with all the oppression from the other kings in the land. So they said, if we have a king, we'll be able to fight against them. No. If they were going to um, have the victory that they needed, they needed to serve God. And God would give them the victory. Whether they had a king or not, eventually God would give them King David. But if you know your Bible, you know how Saul worked out as a king. He provided some leadership, but eventually they never truly had the peace that they were seeking. They never truly had the victory. You see, Israel could experience the blessings and deliverance through only through the person of God, not their physical king. That wouldn't come through their king. It would only come as they, let's read it, only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart. For consider how great things God has done for you. Only God could deliver the nation of Israel. And as we seek to live our lives here in 2018, only God can deliver us. It's not a, um, if, I just, if I just had that program, if I just read that book, if I just did this, if I just had that new suit, everything would be perfect. No. That's a joke, okay. But um, that, that isn't going to do it. It's... Serving God. It's obeying God that is going to bring the deliverance and the victory that we need. But what would that look like in your life? In our church? In your home? You know, you can, you can go to church all you want. You can give all you want, but it's only God that can give salvation. It's only God that can give you um, a... a uh, forgive your sins. It is only through God that that can happen. You want to see this church grow. You want to see um, more people get saved. You want to see this building filled. Well, it isn't because we run a program. Now, programs are great. A king was great. Right? Sometimes programs can be very helpful. A good choir. I really enjoy um, working with the choir and um, enjoying that. But a choir isn't going to build a church. It's a blessing, but it isn't going to build a church. What? A great pastor. We have a great pastor. But even a great pastor cannot grow the church because the Bible says that Jesus said, I will build my church. Right? And since it's only God that can grow the church, it's only God that can deliver us it's about, it's time, not that we're not, but if we want to see the church grow, you know what we need to do? Fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all our hearts. You want to have a good home? You know, having that perfect husband or perfect wife will not give you a good home. 
Having the best house in Astoria will not give you the blessings of God in your home. You know what will? Serving and obeying God. Because only God can deliver us. If you want your home to be blessed and protected by God, if you want your life to experience the blessings and the protection of God, look at what Samuel listed in Israel's past. God had brought them out of slavery in Egypt. God had delivered them time and time and time again. And eventually, God would use King David to deliver them. But God would give them King David. Here they were, they were seeking a king. They were demanding a king, saying, we need a king to lead us. When what they needed was to serve the Lord and obey the Lord. Because God was the one who gave the deliverance, not their king. It wasn't king, even King David, his great leadership. The reason why King David won the victories was because he was obeying God. As he followed God, God gave the victories. And Sam, this is what Samuel's trying to show Israel. This is what I believe that God is trying to show us. They had their king, and you know what God told them? The exact same commands that God gave them before they had their king. It was the exact same. He said, listen. If you want the blessings of God before you had a king, if you want the blessings of God now that you have your king, you've got to serve God and you've got to obey Him. It's that simple. You've got to do what God has already said to do. God, it is not complicated to serve God. Now, can it be difficult? You bet. Can it be, can it be um, a trial in life? Absolutely. But it's not complicated. Getting saved is not complicated. God wants to deliver you. God wants to show His mighty hand in your life. But you can only experience the blessings and deliverance of God as you and I obey and follow Him. We can seek after that shiny set of clubs. We can seek after that brand new bike or Illustrations, okay? But we can have that grandiose idea. If I just have that, oh boy, what I could do for the Lord. No, 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 no. And I have to be reminded of this. If I could sing, if I could, if I could only preach like, like, um, like Brother Sam, if I could only preach like somebody, you know, some great preacher, what a, what a wonderful time that would be. No, God says, obey me because You know the reason why those great preachers are used of God? is because they're obeying God. And God is working in their lives. If you want to see God work in your life, it's what I just said. It's God working in your life. The blessings, the peace, and deliverance are the direct result of God working. Not some physical thing that we can see. Not some program. Not something that we can grab. Those are blessings. But when we seek after those things instead of seeking to obey God, is that thing really going to deliver us? Is that um, whatever you can fill in the blank really going to make your life better? No, it's obedience to God. It's God only who can deliver. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. I pray that the message would have been clear, Lord, that you would work in our hearts, Lord, that we would just simply obey what you've already said, that we would seek after you realize, Lord, that you 
are everything that we truly need. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's have a moment of silence. If you need to pray there in your seat or come forward, that's up to you. We'll just have a moment of invitation before we begin our prayer time.